0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: We have to give room for the Spirit to work in the lives of our kids. Now, we all want our kids to know Jesus. We all want them to follow the Lord. But you know that you can actually hinder that. You can be trying to do it, and actually you can be doing things that are counterproductive to that instead of allowing the Spirit to work in their lives.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, in a message titled, God, Children, and Parents. Now, here's Pastor Brian.
1: Some parents put these Demands on their children. They, they want their children to be uh, head and shoulders above every other child. They want them to get better grades. They want them to do better in sports. And but their demands are unreasonable. This is an oppressive approach to parenting. Uh, emotionally, verbally, and sometimes even physically, they will be abusive. They are unwilling to show approval or affection. This is wrong. This kind of oppressive approach is a wrong approach, but equally wrong is the permissive approach. The permissive parent is unwilling to be a parent. Either they are preoccupied with other things or wanting to be liked by the children to the extent that they refuse to discipline them lest they fall out of favor. You know, you see sometimes today, you know, you see some cases today where you can't tell the parent from the child. Sometimes you can't tell the parent from the child even by the way they look or dress, but you can't figure out who is who by the way they treat each other. So it's this permissive approach here where really the reality is the parent just has no real interest in the life of the child. They're they're just way too into themselves. They're way too preoccupied with their own thing. You know, parenting is a sacrificial experience. You have to kind of forget yourself for some time and invest in somebody else. Some have embraced a humanistic view of raising children that says the child knows what's best and should be allowed to do whatever comes natural or whatever it wants to do. And you find this in extremely liberal context where people just say, well, you know, I'd never tell my child to do anything. I'd never impose my opinion on them, or will they? They just figure it out as they go. That is absolutely horrific parenting. Both of these positions are unbiblical and equally wrong. But listen, the opposite of wrong discipline is is not no discipline. It's right discipline. And the Bible gives us the balance. That's the beautiful thing about the scriptures. They give us a beautiful balance. And here Paul gives us In the passage, he gives us both things that we are to avoid doing as well as things we are to do. So, what are we to avoid doing? Do not provoke your children. Fathers, do not provoke your children means do not irritate or frustrate your children so they become angry, do not exasperate them to resentment. We have to realize that children are fragile. You know, sometimes we think, well, it's, it's my job to toughen this 16-month-old baby up, you know. <laughs> What's the matter with you, kid? What are you crying about? You're a whole year and a half old now. we got to toughen this kid up. What kind of mentality is that? It's like caveman mentality. It's ridiculous. Our children are fragile. And we need to, to keep that in mind. And so we, we get this beautiful balance. We're not to provoke them, to irritate or frustrate them, or to exasperate them to resentment. So since that's the case, there are a few things that we should never do. Number one, we should never be violent. Fathers should never be violent. Mother should never be violent. Parents should never be violent toward their children. Of course, we all have our moments where we can lose our temper and we can become frustrated and, and all of that, but we should never, never discipline in violence. We should never strike out. We should never strike our, our children in, in any kind of a violent sort of a rage. And you know, in the, in, in the experience of the child, it just becomes so hypocritical because you're, you're trying to correct them because they've got a bad attitude or whatever, but you're, you're displaying that same kind of a thing in your attempt to correct. So we should never be violent toward our children. We should not be capricious, meaning that we, we should not be unpredictable. We should not always be changing the rules. We should not always be moving the borders. There is nothing more confusing and frustrating to a child than the kind of parent whose moods and actions can never be predicted, whose condition is always uncertain, who one day in a good mood is indulgent and allows the child almost anything, but who the next day flares up into a rage if the child hardly does anything at all. A capricious parent will exasperate a child. So we we have to have stability in our uh, dealings with our children. We should not be unreasonable or unwilling to listen. These are the kinds of things that can provoke them, that can exasperate them. Uh, we shouldn't discipline too severely. The punishment in, should, should fit the crime. You know, sometimes we just randomly throw out a punishment and it's, when you, if you were to stop and think about it, you think, well, that, that is a little bit extreme, isn't it? So we need to be careful not to go to extremes. We need to have, again, a balance. You should never use obscene or demeaning language. Obscene or demeaning language. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I've mentioned that before. Uh, nor did I know any Christian families. And I have been cussed at, and I've seen that with you know, people I grew up with, or friends the way... You know, parents speak demeaningly and all of that. And that's the kind of thing that just, it hurts deep in the heart of a child. And these are the kinds of wounds that stick with people for a long time. So we should never use obscene or demeaning language toward your child. So these are the negatives, but then Paul says, Raise them in the training and in the instruction of the Lord. So now we come to the positive side. Raise them in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Or raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The word nurture is the word translated training here. And if you remember, it sounds similar to another word we looked at last time, the word nourish. And that's because it's the same word. It's the same Greek word, and it was used previously in the fifth chapter in reference to a husband's treatment of his wife. He is to nourish his wife, loving his wife as he loves himself, nourishes and cherishes himself. So it's the same word. So bringing them up, and the idea here is that you would fondly cherish your children, that you would deal gently with them. Because again, children are fragile creatures, and they need to be dealt with in tenderness and the security of love. So how do we practically apply instructing them in the Lord? I'll give you just a few things. Number one, teach your children that God loves them. And listen, you're going to... Teach them that much more effectively if you show them, not simply telling them, but, but showing them by your love for them, that God loves them. But, but teach children that God loves them. It's so easy for us to focus on the negative. And sometimes even in a Christian environment, we would focus on the negative. Oh, you're such a little sinner. Oh, God's going to get you for that. (laughs) But you know, that stuff sticks in the mind of a child. And so they start to think of God more as a a judge than as a father. More as a judge who's going to punish them rather than a father who loves them and is gentle toward them and compassionate toward them. So it's our job as we're uh, instructing them in the Lord, we're to instruct them on the love of God. Secondly, we are to teach them to love the things of God, the Word of God. But like I said a moment ago, I'm, I'm going to effectively do that if I have that myself. I can't pass on a love for the things of God and the truth of God, the Word of God, if I don't have it in my own heart. If I don't have it in my own heart, then it's just, it's just rules. And it's seen as that. So we read the Bible, we study the Bible, we read things that help us to know God better, and you know, we, we subject ourselves to things that are going to help us grow, but we do it all with an attitude of, you know, this is something we get to do. It's not something that we've got to do. It's not something that we have to do. Church, as we go to church together as families, we get to go to church. It's not we we've got to go, but we teach them to love the things of God, the word of God. We need to teach them about the grace of God. And this is, again, the way we do that is we be gracious. You know, if you were to survey, I know this is true because I see it all the time. If you were to survey teenagers who have grown up in Christian homes and and perhaps let's say also go, go to Christian schools, the vast majority, their idea of God is much more legal than it is grace-oriented. I, I think in some ways, we unintentionally, but but in actuality, we have raised our kids more with more of a moralistic approach than a gospel approach. The moralistic approach is, you know, this is, these are the things you need to do, and, and we, we subtly, I don't think we intentionally do it, but we subtly communicate to them that everything is about keeping rules. And if you're a good Christian, you're gonna keep all these rules. And if you don't keep these rules, you're not a good Christian. And that's kind of the, the totality of the Christian life. It's just make sure you're, you're not doing all of these things and you, you are doing these things. But where's grace in that picture? It's not there. It's, it's, a, it's a, a, a legal sort of a understanding of the faith but we need to be teaching them about God's grace. We need to be teaching them about, as I said earlier, how much God loves them. But, you know, that God forgives them when they fail. That God knows that they're sinners, but he still loves them anyway. And he's got plenty of grace to cover up those sins. And they can, they can come to him. And instead of feeling like they're failing all the time, and instead of feeling like God is angry with them most of the time, which many of them do, and subsequently, at times, they just give up. It's like, I can't please God. I'm just, I'm just going to go do something else. I think sometimes it's rooted in a failure from us to pass on God's grace. So we need to be gracious. That's one of the ways to pass on God's grace. And as you're gracious, make sure you express that this is how God is. Then also, we are to teach them that God has given us all things richly to enjoy. See, again, because a lot of times what Christianity is perceived as is that God is preventing us from enjoying most things. That's, that's the way it's looked at, right? Oh, man, my family's Christian. My parents are Christians, which means that I can't do this and I can't do that. And, and we, we give that impression. The Bible says God has given us richly all things to enjoy, We have this big, beautiful world with all kinds of wonderful aspects to it that aren't sinful or or tainted by sin. We can enjoy those things. We can enjoy life. We teach them that. And then we teach them that to love God is to obey God and their parents and that his commandments are not burdensome, but rather they are a blessing. We teach our kids that obedience brings a blessing. The Bible teaches that. When we fail, God's there with his grace to forgive us and to get us going again. But he calls us to obedience, but the obedience is not a burden. It's a blessing. I know that as I just live the way God wants me to live, there's a blessing in that. Now, in closing, as I thought about this message, I asked myself this question. What would I do differently today? Having raised my children As I look back, what would I do differently than I did? And I decided absolutely nothing. I was the perfect parent. And uh, and if they heard me say that, there would be war. (laughs) No, I thought of some things. Number one, I would pray for my kids more than I did. I would pray more for them. I prayed for them. Of course I did, because I'm a Christian, and I'm their dad, and I prayed for them. But as I look back, I didn't pray for them with the fervency that I I now know that I should have. Because you know what I did? I made the mistaken assumption that because we were Christians, and I raised them in the faith, that everything was going to be fine. They would never be tempted to get off into this or get involved in any trouble or anything like that. So I, I just assumed that everything would always go well. So I never prayed for them with the kind of focus or intentionality that I do today. I pray for them much, in a much more focused manner today than I did even when they were children. But I look back and I think, that was a mistake. Because I didn't know what was coming down the road. I didn't know the temptations that they were going to face. I didn't know the challenges and the difficulties. I just assumed that, oh, they're not going to have any of that because we taught them not to do stuff like that. But I was mistaken. And so I look back and I think, wow, if I had to do it over again, I would pray much more. I would pray more specifically I would pray for them daily. I would pray for their futures. I would pray for their spouses. I would pray for their their life as they would go into teenagehood and adulthood. I would pray more for my kids. Secondly, I would be less restrictive with them. I would be less restrictive. I look back and I think, you know, there were times that it was just, now that I can see from a different perspective, I could just see, what, what was I thinking back then? I was so restrictive at times. You can't watch this, you can't listen to that, you can't read this or that, you can't wear this or that. And, and I look back and think, why was I like that? And, and some of these things were the kinds of things that brought frustration and exasperation. I'll never forget when my, my daughter, my oldest daughter was 15, we were living in England at the time, and we were going somewhere, I don't even know where we were going, but she came out and got into the car, it was probably February, Uh, It was cold, really cold outside. And she got into the car and she had these these sandal-type shoes on, Um, you know, high-heeled with uh, open toes and all of that. And I looked at her and I go, you know, it's freezing outside. Your toes are going to freeze off. What are you doing with these sandals on? This is ridiculous. Go in the house and change them. I don't want to change them. I like these shoes. Well, I said, get in the house and change them. You're not going to go anywhere with those sandals on. So we got in this massive fight about this. I look back today and think, what was I thinking? I should've just said, look, if you want to freeze your toes off, that's your business, not mine. Let's go. But no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna force it. There's no way. You're not gonna, you're not gonna do that. And I, and I look back and I think of some of, the, some of the restrictions that I put on my kids. Oh no, you're not gonna, you can't go do that or you can't watch this. And I, I think in many ways, I, it was over the top. And I think as I look back on it, I I would do that differently. And then thirdly, I would try to be a better listener and give fewer lectures and also give more room for the spirit to work in their lives. I was really good at lecturing my kids. And you know, the minute the lecture would start, the eyes would roll. You could just see it all. It's like, okay. And they go, okay, here we go again. Here's dad's Lecture number 350 on this particular thing. So I wasn't listening to what they had felt or had to say. It's like, no, 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 you listen because I'm the dad and I know everything. And, uh, you know, I didn't think that necessarily, but I think sometimes I behaved like that. So fewer lectures, better listener, just listening. Now, I have learned these things, but I wish I would have learned them earlier. And of course, now, my kids just tell me, get lost <laughs> if, I, if I go into lecture mode with them or whatever. But they do it respectfully. They're honoring me while they do it. But the thing that, the thing, here's the thing, though. The thing is, we have to give room for the spirit to work in the lives of our kids, Now, we all want our kids to know Jesus. We all want them to follow the Lord. But you know that you can actually hinder that? You can be trying to do it, and actually you can be doing things that are counterproductive to that. If you are the one who's trying to bring the conviction, you are the one who's setting up the standard, you are the one that is enforcing this and imposing that, instead of allowing the Spirit to work in their lives... There's a certain point, and I'm thinking more about, you know, your kids as they get into the teen years now. I mean, obviously, the younger they are, they're, they're compliant, and you, they need those, those very clear guidelines and so forth. But as they get into the teen years, this is where we have to give more room for the Spirit to work in their lives, recognize God's got to do this in their heart. Me laying down more rules is not going to help them really coming to a a real deep faith in Christ. God's got to do something here. I I think of the story, Pastor Chuck used to tell it often, about the the mother of Augustine. Augustine became one of the great voices in the early church, one of the great theologians of all time. And Augustine was not a believer. His mother had become a Christian, and he informed her at a certain point that he was going to Rome. He was moving to Rome. They lived in North Africa. And this was the worst possible thing in his mother's mind. Oh, no, Rome. Rome is the epicenter of paganism. This is, uh, this is horrible news. Oh, my son, please do not go to Rome. That, that is the worst idea. And she just saw this as uh, it, it was certain doom and destruction in her mind for Augustine to go to Rome. But he was an adult, so he went. And guess what happened to him in Rome? He met Christ, became a Christian, became one of the great influential leaders of, of, in the whole history of the church. So again, my point is sometimes we look at things and we think, no, no, uh, no, they can't do this. And oh, I don't want them to do that. And, but these are the things that God's gonna use. And we have got to give room for the spirit of God to work. We have to remember that at the end of the day, every single human being has to make their own choice to follow Christ. We can lay a foundation and we can do the best we can to help them along the way. But at the end, we can't make that decision for them. So we've got to know when to step back, not to lecture, listen, pray, and then trust God with the outcome. And you know what? God is faithful. I thank God for his faithfulness. I have four grown kids. They're all following Christ. And it's not because Cheryl and I were perfect parents. It's not because we did everything right. I was thinking about having them up here this morning to tell you about growing up in our home, but it would have been too humiliating for me. So (laughs) we passed on that. But it's by God's grace. And so here's the final word. In all your dealing with your children, just remember God's dealing with you. He's been so gracious to you. He's been so patient, hasn't he? He's been so long-suffering with us. That's the way we want to be with our kids.
0: For the month of December, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Finding the Right Hills to Die on by Gavin Ortland. The world is divided over issues like race, gender, sexuality, and health. But there are even greater divisions in the church, divisions over doctrines. But how do we as Christians move past doctrinal divisions in an effort to maintain unity, but without compromising the essential truths of Scripture? Well, in his book, Finding the Right Hills to Die On, Gavin Ortland provides a guide to help you prioritize doctrine according to four different ranks along a spectrum of doctrinal importance. This book will challenge you to consider the balance between faithfulness to God's Word and the need for Christian unity. If you want to be as effective as possible at advancing the gospel in our time, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God.